You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to SpotCast, Season 4, Episode 6. My name is Tim Mitrina. I am sitting in Woodstock, New Brunswick, across the table from Jonathan Kuline. Hooray! Our first ever two-person-in-one-space episode of SpotCast. And all alone by himself in Seattle, Washington, is Jaime Lopez Jr. How's it going? Alrighty. Well, we'll start off with some fact check. Um... I mentioned last week uh, Sally Kellerman was the person's name I couldn't remember, who was the actress who played Hot Lips Houlihan in Robert Altman's MASH, and also Dr. Elizabeth Den- Daner. Daner, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Elizabeth Daner in Where No Man Has Gone Before, the first episode of Star Trek, which also starred Gary Lockwood as Gary Mitchell. Dun, dun, dun. And I also mentioned uh, Delia, Delia Debeshar is a name I couldn't remember, uh, who created the Doctor Who theme, and I got a really cool video of the actual Doctor Who original theme that I shared with the folks on Slack, and I'll put it in the show notes for tonight. And also McCartney321 is the name of the show. I said 123, but it's 321, and that's the show. It's actually it's a Hulu show, so it might be on Hulu and Disney+, Plus. I would think, maybe. Anyway, but that's the one, the show with the Beatle breakdown, Wings breakdown of songs. All right, so we'll dig into the headlines, and we'll throw over to Jaime Lopez Jr. Yeah, this almost crosses into MTJC category, but um, there's an article here on uh, the troubles that HBO Max has had across... So they say glitchy app, but it really means, like, across all the, the different ways that you could view HBO Max content. Um, so the Apple TV app, the Roku app... Uh, They're talking about malfunctions that I haven't personally seen, but I'll add my own that's in there, which is it's very annoying to go in to watch the latest episode of John Oliver's Last Week Tonight and say, oh, good, the UI says watch the latest. But I have to pay attention because for whatever reason, even though we're in the eighth season, it decides I really, really want to continue watching season seven, episode like 25 or something. And uh, if I don't pay attention and, and see, I have to kind of wait for a few beats before it decides, oh, what you really want is season eight, whatever the most recent episode is. So I don't know why they're having such issues. It's good that they're finally getting around to fixing it because people, as they explain in the article, have uh, have gotten really wild with the memes about like, <laughs> you know, um, I tried to rewind a show on HBO Max and now I'm being tried at The Hague. Or one <laughs> of the people who designed an app hated their customers. And, uh, yeah, uh, I will note that one weird thing in the article was like, oh, it was like pretty solid before. I was like, well, was it really? Because if you go back to 2015, um, HBO Go, the predecessor, was having all sorts of trouble with Game of Thrones. And um, hmm. they ended up punting on their whole internally developed system and went with MLB's... Um, system that it was using for streaming and that's what everything is built on nowadays so it's not even an internal to hbo tech team thing so 
this has a lot of near and dear to my heart because I'm still bitter some six years later from not getting hired at HBO when I went to go interview for this very <laughs> team. I'm like, well, see, that's why you had problems because you didn't hire Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we got to the end of the story, Jaime, before we found out this was a personal event. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the way you, you, you all listen to my minute or two rant, and I'll, I'll add the link in the show notes <laughs> so that you're transporting home for the second article because I found it. I'm glad to hear you're not the only developer who doesn't get hired by companies. <laughs> so, Jaime, is this app a problem across like all platforms, or is it just like, is it does it matter where you list, like whether you're Android or iOS, or does it matter anything, or is it just across the board this thing's a problem? I don't know how far it is, but this article claims Apple TVs having a bunch of trouble, and they're also claiming Roku, and I have definitely seen issues, and it's just janky and slow on uh, on the roku i've i've not tried it on my ipad or phone or like through the web or anything um just because i just normally watch sitting down on my tv oh no you know what i can confirm it's actually pretty janky on the the uh, chromecast with google tv because i have one of those um got one of those hmm. for free uh from google um and it's, it's just as janky there, so this seems like it probably is across the board. I'd be very surprised if it was 100% okay on any given platform. Hmm. I was going to say, note to self, don't lose, use Jaime as QE on any of my apps. <laughs> 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 All right. All right, let's, oh, JPK, you're next. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll jump over to a uh, little bit of Disney Marvel news. So, uh, Shang-Chi and the uh, Legend of the Ten Rings is coming up fast. It's supposed to be out in early September, September 3rd. And there's a little bit of a kerfuffle this week because the CEO of Disney, uh, Bob Chapek, or Chapek, uh, was speaking on an investor call about the release of the movie, and uh, he was making it clear, and we talked about this on our previous episode, that uh, it will not be streaming on Disney+, Plus. that uh, he is in fact going to push for the fact that it's um, an interesting experiment because the film will only have a 45-day window between theatrical release and home release. So if you can't get to the theater because of COVID or you can't get to the theater because of, uh, you know, just you don't feel comfortable, obviously, or it's a place, you know, you might be living in an area where theaters aren't open during this window, uh, you won't be able to watch it on Disney Plus like you were for Black Widow. And so that's, um, you know, that's an interesting thing. But the star of the movie, Simu Liu, was apparently not very happy at being having his, you know, uh, big blockbuster movie debut labeled as an interesting experiment hmm. so he went on to twitter and said we are not an experiment we are the underdog the underestimated we are the ceiling breakers we are the celebration of culture and joy that will persevere in an embattled year we are the surprise i'm fired the f blank blank k up to make history on september 3rd join us and uh so yeah there was a little bit of a, a, a rough edge to that and um yeah, didn't seem to be very impressed with the CEO of Disney uh, sort of setting a low expectation yeah, bar. Some shade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bruce Lee had the same problem back in Hollywood, back in the early days, you know, when he was cast as, as uh, Cato and then yeah. uh, and then passed over, like HBO passed over Jaime for, uh, <laughs> for uh, the... Kung Fu movie or Kung, Kung, Kung Fu TV, TV show. show, yeah, yeah, the Robert Carradine thing. Yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 a, a weird one. Uh, again, not not very good to. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't. You know, we talked last week about uh, Black Widow and and Scarlett Johansson biting the hand that's been feeding her for yeah. a decade. Now, Simu Liu, before he even sort of gets his first starring role, is is taking shots at the CEO. I think what he's just trying to say is, you know, we're going to exceed our expectations. Just because we have this 45-day window doesn't mean you shouldn't expect this to be a blockbuster. Exactly. Uh, that being said, I'm still not convinced I'll see it in the theater. I don't know. Really? We have, we have, I don't know. I mean, we haven't really talked about it. I don't know. Well, the thing about it is, though, is like they totally underestimated the impact of of um, Black, oh, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah. Right. And as soon as as soon as it hit the streets and previews came out, like the whole you know yeah. Black community embraced it and yeah. like said, finally, yeah, we have a movie, right? And and I'm sure. Asian Americans and Asian Canadians are going to say the same thing. Asians all around the world, in fact, right? So yeah, I hope the Disney guy 
eats his words. Yeah. Jaime, what do you think uh, is going to be the response? I mean, obviously you're in a different part of the part of the world. What do you think is going to be uh, the appetite to go see it? And are you, in fact, going to go see it? Yeah, let me split the two. Um, I don't think, you know, for my own personal comfort that I'll feel comfortable on September 3rd going. It, things are uh, picking up case-wise right now, and we're sitting, I don't know, two weeks roughly from uh, two and a half weeks maybe. Um, from when this debuts, um, mask mandates and stuff have have come up. Uh, vaccine mandates for uh, government workers and etc. have come up and or various degrees. So I I think I'm sort of pragmatically more likely to be excited for the 45 day window to be up so I can stream it on Disney Plus. That's not a fault yeah. of of the movies. I mean, there was like you know if they said, oh man, like a brand new awesome Avengers movie, I'm like yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> watch that from home. I'm I just. I can't right now in my own situation. Now, will other people yeah. do the same? I don't know. Um, I mean, we saw that the the Suicide Squad didn't do that great, but Black Widow did pretty good. Um, so, you know, obviously through the lens of of uh, pandemic, um, you know, box office. So I, yeah. I kind of wonder about this because it it seems like early early reviews are pretty good. Um, I am hoping that the community will. Will will flock to it the way that people rallied around Black Panther. Um, certainly helps that uh, there's there's people who know about Kim's convenience and there's people who know um, Aquafina from you know many many roles, mm-hmm. in, but also conveniently timed as the second season of uh, Nora from Queens. So Northern I'm hoping Queens, it yeah. all sort of blends in together as like a really good positive thing, especially because. You know, to to get this the the sad situation that to get more representation like this, people do need to like come out and and spend money with their uh, with their wallets, right? Open it up. And... It's a tough it's a tough ask, though, right? Like you're basically saying, you know, hey, I mean, it's almost you know, like again, I don't mean to disparage Simu Liu, but you know, he's almost throwing the gauntlet down, saying like, hey, you know, Asian community people who believe in this representation, get out there and support this, so that you know, this Disney guy eats his words, and we get you know, uh, a resounding, hey, yes, there's an audience for this. But at the same time, it's a scary world out there. It's a lot to put on, you know, the people who enjoy these movies, whether they're, you know, uh, you know, Asian people around the world or obviously, you know, just fans of good movies. It's 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 a scary environment to sort of throw that down. And, you know, again, I'm extremely supportive. I, you know, I absolutely this kind of movie is long overdue. And absolutely, it's great that he's the star. And absolutely, I think, you know, I want to see this movie, but I'm in your boat, Jaime. I, I'm not convinced I'm going to see it in, in September. I might be seeing it. Oh, in a theater, you mean? In a theater, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking maybe whenever it comes out, which will be, I guess, some, so they're talking six weeks, essentially. Six weeks from the third, so, you know, middle to end of, of October on Disney+. Plus. And, and it's a shame, because I, I, would, I would like to throw my dollars at it. I would pay the 30 bucks or 35 bucks Canadian to, to watch it if I was given the choice, but they're not giving us the choice, so I don't know what to do about that. Speaking of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings... So, revealed uh, at the red carpet premiere this week, Sir Ben Kingsley was a surprise appearance, and uh, Entertainment Tonight asked him a question saying, hey, you know, your previous appearance in the Marvel Universe was as the quote-unquote Mandarin in the Iron Man film, Iron Man 3, uh, you know, you're here, does this mean that you're in the film? And the, the faux Mandarin in the movie, which again, just spikes my interest in seeing it because he was such a funny character, mm-hmm. and obviously there'll be a little price to pay for impersonating the real Mandarin, and uh, yeah. So, because they, they had that little, uh, I think it was in the Iron Man 3... DVD or Blu-ray or any of those things, there was a bonus scene, uh, one of those little, uh, when Mar- they used to do those little Marvel one-shot things, right? And they had the little five-minute scene where it was him in prison and it was him with, um, oh gosh, what was the character's name? The the one that was um, yeah, yeah. the villain from Iron Man 2 were in prison together and, you know, and then at the very end of that, there's basically, you know, these heavies show up and basically say, you know, the real Mandarin wasn't very happy with you pretending to be him. So maybe we'll get a little pickup from that. But uh, but I think this is fun and fun. I'm glad that there's that little little connection to those previous movies. Cool. 
So over to you, Jaime, for Amazon Wheel of Time. Yeah, I'm only barely qualified, if at all, to, to talk about this, but I did note, note the link here on uh, Amazon's uh, new Wheel of Time series, and we, we have some of the first images. I'm not quite as familiar with uh, Robert Jordan's um, you know epic here, other than you know passing familiarity with it existing and being a plot about um, male and female uh, magic. Um, I do know it has like a bazillion different books, so many books that you know. Unfortunately, <laughs> Robert Jordan didn't finish the series. He met his untimely demise, or or maybe timely, given how long he had gone. Uh, I mean, I feel sorry for the guy, but like he was pretty old when he died. Um, and somebody else had to finish it from his notes. Yeah. Long-time listeners to the show would know this is the same thing I'm afraid of for George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones book series. If, as he continues to not deliver books and, and dabbles in other things, I'm like, you're not exactly young, dude. So, And then a pandemic came along, so you're, you're playing with fire here. But nevertheless... Uh, no, but he looked he looked like he was the picture of health, I may. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> Uh, so we've got the, the images here. We've got the link uh, to the Ars Technica article. Um, you really want to look at the uh, the Twitter links, which the embeds are not working for me. You might have to click through for those. Um, looks like it could be interesting. Um, it sort of feels a little like um, if anybody's watched Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Um, you know, that was a good, fun series. This seems to be sort of cinematically filmed the same way. Um, but I'm only looking at still pictures. It's not even a trailer, right? So just teasing, teasing stuff at the moment. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like in the trailer. I'm looking, uh, looking at his uh, his Wikipedia article. It says he died at age 58. So we'll go ahead and call that untimely, I mean. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I I think he might have also been the picture of health and looked a little bit older than he actually was. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Good correction there. Yeah. Last thing I've got for us this week, the headlines, we got the final trailer for The Eternals drop today, and um, this time we actually, it's not just, you know, pretty visuals, we got actually some, some dialogue and a little bit of a setup, and also something I think we talked about in a previous uh, previous episode, Jaime, I know you had sort of said, well, you know, what the heck were these guys doing when all the other stuff was happening in the in the Marvel Universe, and, and they do address that right in the trailer, saying that, uh, you know, they were told not not to interfere in the affairs of human beings unless these deviants, these this certain specific race, were involved. They weren't allowed to interfere when Thanos came. They weren't afraid, uh, weren't, weren't allowed to in, get involved in human affairs. But now this thing has started. This this reverse of the snapping, they mm. say in the in the trailer, has has basically led them to this sort of awakening where all these Eternals who have been on Earth for seven thousand years are now sort of activated. They have to come together and and sort of stop this this crisis that is coming. Um, um, but they couldn't help out during Endgame. No, they they actually address they <laughs> they actually address it. They say like, where, where were you during Thanos and everything else? And they basically say we were we were told not to do this. And then the question is by whom? Oh. And that's sort of the mystery in the trailer is. So they were told they have all these powers. They could have interfered, but they didn't. Why not? And who told them not to? So mm-hmm. again, it's it's good to know that you know. I I think this one has always felt like a bit of an outlier series, right? And like the Eternals, don't really know much about them. Even as a Marvel Comics fan, I've been reading Marvel Comics since I was a child. Yeah, I've only read a handful of Eternals comics. They weren't really my bag. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they they weave this in, but it's good to know that they, you know, even in the trailer, they're already saying the word Thanos, the snapping, all that stuff is going to be addressed in this series. So that's intriguing. Jaime, what did you think of this one? It looks interesting. Um, I I do like the fact that they address the the sort of elephant in the room around Thanos. Yeah. Um, Even even with kind of a casual line is good. Uh, The... Like, it definitely feels like a Marvel film. You can see the, the sort of it fits in the family. But I think that uh, Chloe Zhao is bringing something a little different. Its cinematography is a little bit different than things we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of like the idea they've got of uh, Rob Stark there, uh, Richard Madden, I think. Um, yeah, He's like the yep. new guy, yep. I think, from what the trailer gives of like, oh, this is the guy who's going to get everything explained to him so that the audience, therefore, knows it. Right. So that's... It's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exposition. He's uh, say, like, hey, new guy, you know, he's got to have a, an arc where presumably, you know, he's going to help save the day despite being kind of a, a mess up as uh, <laughs> as the trailer shows. Like, oh, what's this table made out of vibranium? And <laughs> smashes it. And it's like the cheap one from Ikea. <laughs> nope. Ikea. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, uh, and again, you, the one thing you look at it, you're right. I think the Chloe Zhao thing is a bang on, Jaime. I think it looks beautiful. Like, it looks really, really epic. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the film just for the sake of seeing the film. But it's also, you know, as you look through it, you're like, oh, yeah, that person's in it. Oh, yeah, oh, Angelina Jolie. Oh, Kamel Nanjiani. Oh, oh, you just keep going down the list, and you're like, oh, that's right, this movie is stacked. Yeah, it, it definitely is. All right, well, I guess we're at the part of that show where we start talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. Season 2, Episode 2, Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. Well, Jonathan's doing the recap, so take it away, Jonathan. Yes, so uh, we are continuing where we left off last week. We've got a notable absence of Boimler uh, aboard the Cerritos. Mariner Tendi and Rutherford are, are headed down to the Sonic Showers, and they run into Jet, the, the cool guy who they uh, they encountered last season. This, you know, just the guy who's just, you know, Joe Cool on the ship. And, uh, you know, Mariner, who's, you know, says, sort of inserts herself as, well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the unofficial leader of this, this gang, not, you know, not anybody else. And so they head into the Sonic Showers, and uh, they're all sort of standing there. And she, she points out, oh, you know, Jet, uh, yeah, you, you shouldn't use that one. Boimler leaves that one open so that, you know, I have, you know, my privacy. And he says, well, it's a good thing I'm not Boimler. And he fires up the sonic shower and he turns it up. And then she turns his up and he turns hers up. And we end up with the, the sonic shower showdown where the two of them are, are blasting the sonic showers. And everybody else around them starts running for cover. And, you know, to the point where these two are, are bleeding from their noses and, you know, gritting, saying, I love this setting. This is so good. Um, obviously, you know, Marin not interested in, in backing down from, from what it is that Jet's got going on there. Uh, we cut to our opening credits, we come back, and we, you know, are, are immediately into this space filled with Star Trek ephemera, and we get the little, you know, overdub that explains that the, the, the Collector's Guild has called in the Cerritos for some help trying to uh, clean up this collection of the this collector named Kerner Haas, who was, you know, uh, a you know big-time collector, had all these interesting things, but there's a possibility some of these things are very dangerous, and so uh, Chairman Siggy, who is this uh, sort of octopus-esque alien, or I guess, is he a sex sextopus? Sextopus? Mm. Uh, he goes and you know sort of says to them you know hey I want you guys to come over you take the you take the rough looking stuff and I'll take the the other stuff uh, you know Tim and I watched it together we we were sort of freezing frame and trying to pick out the things we could see I flagged a few of them here we saw of course the in one display case we saw the game from the episode uh, of TNG where Wesley Crusher uh, tries to avoid playing this game that is going to hypnotize the whole crew uh, there's a Mars rover in there uh, the Picard day sculpture of, of Picard's head made uh, made by the, the kids aboard the ship uh, there's a salt vampire there's Riker's trombone we, that was our guess and why there would be a trombone in there, uh, a necklace, and, and the insignia from the Mirror Universe, and uh, what was the box, Tim? You mentioned the box the, uh, the from the episode of the uh, original series. I'm, trying to, I'm looking it up right now, trying to figure out what that one's called. Yeah. All right, well, we'll circle back to that one. How many did you catch in that particular else in there? scene? Good question. I'm not sure because there were other things that got shown, uh, you, you know, as they end up going through the whole sort of collection that... I might be misremembering where exactly we saw this. Yeah, it was a real, it was a real treasure trove and a real, real Easter egg hunt for Star Star Trek fans. I think I'll, I might rewatch this one a few times to see what I can see. Uh, but anyway, the point of this one is that basically they're supposed to go over, and of course it has to be Mariner Tendi Rutherford and Jet, the cool guy, are sent over to do this uh, this cleanup job. Uh, Freeman mentions Captain Freeman mentions that uh, she's supposed to be getting her command evaluation, and the other person is going to go with them on this mission is the newest crew member, the new chief of security, who's replacing uh, Shax, who died last season, and his name is Kayshawn, and he is a Temerian. Uh, Temerian's very famously one of the probably best episodes of the original TNG series, where uh, the Temerians are making contact with the uh, Starfleet and the Federation. The captain of the Temerian ship beams 
uh, Picard down, and they're trying to break down the the language barrier because the Temerians speak in metaphor. So you know things like you know Darmok, his wise uh, arms wide open and and such. I'm probably messing that one up. If, I, if either you have a handy Temerian phrase on your uh, the f- fingertips, well, what I remember was uh, Darmok and Jalad on the ocean, Jalad which meant Atena- that they, that they on the ocean at Tanagra, yeah, yeah. Shaka when the walls fell. Yeah, that was the one when bad things happen, right? That was the failure, yes. uh, failure uh, meme or phrase. Yeah. So he uh, he jumps on board the the bridge and he introduces himself and he jumps on and he says, "Rapunky." When the, when he joined the seven and everyone sort of looks at him and you think, "Oh no, is he going to be speaking to Marion this whole time?" And he says, "Oh, actually, uh, what I meant to say is it's my honor, Captain." And he you know explains that he's you know his, his translator wasn't wasn't necessarily working working properly, uh, but he's going to be the leader of the mission. He's a lieutenant and he's going to lead the mission over to this ship with with uh, Tendi Rutherford and Mariner and Jet. We cut over to the Titan, where Boimler is, uh, you know, st- still not fitting in very well. He's uh, screaming, and Riker is uh, ordering them to attack this pack-led ship, and they're, you know, making all these maneuvers, and, you know, Boimler looks just absolutely horrified to be in the middle of this battle. In the end, they drive off the pack-leds. We cut back to uh, the away team, and and they are uh, <laughs> they are getting ready for their mission. Uh, we're starting to learn a little bit more of what these things mean. Darmok and Jalad on the ocean means it's nice working with you. Uh, again, <laughs> I wish we'd had these years ago. Uh, you know, they talk about the mission. It's no beast at Tanagra, more like a suck-up at Tanagra. Jed is obviously fluent in Tamarian, which is really funny. Uh, and, of course, Mariner's starting to feel threatened. They beam over to the other ship, and they run into this... this uh, Chairman um, uh, Chairman Siggy, and he drops the great line, you know, what'd you do? Stop the debate the human rights of a robot? <laughs> uh, which is a, is a lovely, again, Star Star throwback, Trek yeah. a throwback for us. Yes, uh, you know. isn't Aren't they the ones who tried to collect data? They all tried to collect data. Uh, back to the Titan. Uh, Riker's got the command crew in the, uh, in the conference room, and he's saying, well, you know, the, Riker he says the 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 packlets were clearly after Veruvian ore. It's a, a mineral that can become unstable, and you know the whole command crew is sort of saying, "Well, you know, yeah, we we can't have that. We can't have them getting a hold of that stuff." And so they're going to go to this uh, mining colony on Carzil Four. They're going to have a few members of the uh, the command crew go undercover and uh, and you know try and try and go into uh, this thing and try and figure out, oh, is there actually like another person working with the packlids to give them the knowledge of what this thing is. And you can tell by this point, Boimler is fried. You know, the he's writing down everything that Riker says as he says it. And he says, you know, you don't have to write that down. He says, yes, I know. I don't have to write that down. And he's still writing things down. <laughs> he's clearly getting a little brain fried by his experiences on the Titan. Uh, back to the the collector ship again. Another little uh, Easter egg in there. I spotted you know a couple boxes of Chateau Picard. Uh, clearly some bottles of booze in there. Uh, a little more Tamarian translation. Temba, his arms open. That means a gift. File that one away. Uh, we, we get a, again another cast around the room. We get Kales's fornication helmet. So uh, <laughs> a, a Romulan uh, <laughs> artifact in there. And uh, it's at this point where something. That they move sets off the the uh, traps that are set by Kerner Haas, and this portrait of him on the wall comes to life, and he sort of says, you know, oh, you know, you're trying to steal my treasure. Well, I've, got, you know, you're trying to steal my my collection. Well, I've got a shock for you. You're going to be part of my collection for trying to do this. And this, you know, beam sort of shoots out of him. Tendi is about to get zapped. Kayshawn, our uh, Temerian lieutenant, jumps in front of it, and he's sort of flown up in the air, and he turns colors and he's you know not looking very happy and uh, by the time he hits the floor he's been turned into a hand puppet um, we get these flying orbs that come out and they're you know taking shots at them clearly trying to get them there's swords flying at them from the displays all hell is sort of breaking loose and they manage to escape for a moment they go out into the hallway and you know Mariner sort of tries to take charge she says you know I've got a plan but it's going to take us into the belly of the beast and Jet says why would you even do that? Why, why would you 
would you do that? Why don't we just make for the escape pods? And Mariner's like, what? You're, I'm, you're not the boss. I'm the boss. And, and of course, she turns to you know, Rutherford and Tendi, and they're like, yeah, we like the go to the escape pods plan as opposed to the belly of the beast plan. Uh, of course, Mariner's, you know, aghast, but, you know, they all agree that that's, that's what they're going to try and do. Back over to Titan, Boimler is uh, aboard the, the, the vessel taking them down to their undercover mission. The other members of the crew that are there are, are ripping the Enterprise D for being a really dull place. One of the one of the members of the Titan crew worked there. Oh, you know, he's 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 sort of saying, oh, that's that's the best ship ever. You know, they insurrected. You know, and and uh, you know the other officer who worked there is like, yeah, they had like four daycares on the ship, and and you know they were on a they had a string quartet. Like, what kind of what kind of mission were they on? Uh, and just sort of you know taking a taking a, a big rip at the uh, at the adventures of TNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the bridge of the Cerritos, Freeman is stewing, and you can tell she's ticked off. Not that she isn't mostly ticked off, but she finds out that her evaluation has gone come back from Starfleet Command about her uh, command evaluation, and she's been called a micromanager. And this, of course, backfires. She says, no, 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 no. They say I need to trust my crew more. I can't micromanage. I can't constantly be calling them. So I'm just going to trust that Kayshawn can handle this. And, of course, Kayshawn at this point is a hand puppet, so right. not the best call. Uh, back over to the collector vessel. Another another booby trap. We, you know, the inorganic matter compactor is trying to suck up all the metal around them. They managed to escape that one. Uh, turns out that the reason why all this stuff started, it wasn't anything any of them did. It was Chairman Siggy. He had stolen the, the fornication helmet, the KLS's fornication helmet, <laughs> and set all these things off, and, you know, because he had to have this collectible. Right. And, uh, and then he sets off a trap. There's a giant, uh, a giant in a Star Trek uniform, and I cannot remember what the reference is there. Jaime, I don't know if you remember that one, or Tim. I, I couldn't I, place it. I did it. not, but I had to look it up, and apparently it's Spock 2 from the animated series, where in some weird reason, this alien species uh, copied Spock, but made him giant. Okay. And so mm-hmm. the, the, the belief on the interwebs is that that's probably Spock 2's um, body, you know, having died, you know, some time ago, right? It'd be pretty old right. by that point. That's a, that's a deep cuts one. Yeah, to get deep into the animated series stuff, that's pretty good. Uh, so, of course, this trap goes off. Chairman Siggy is underneath it. He's gone. And uh, they climb to the top of this thing. They realize, like, oh, we have to go over the top of this this giant skeleton to get out of here. They go over the top. And there's these, these what essentially look like flying Roombas going around the room. And, you know, they're zooming around and they're sucking up and sucking up. One of them gets too close to Mariner and she gives it a whack and says, you know, get away from me, you stupid vacuum cleaner. And of course, it turns on, right turn red, red, red light of death turns on on this thing and it turns into a deadly. They said, oh no, you've activated the, you know, evil vacuum cleaners. And she says, what are they going to do? Suck me to death? And one of them latches onto her cheek and she goes, oh my God, they're going to suck us to death. <laughs> uh, back to the, the, the crew of the Titan. Uh, Boims is down on the crew, uh, down on the planet with the, the, the miners. They're trying to figure out what the packloads are up to. They uh, are, are trying to rally the workers without letting on who they are and, and are immediately called out where the guy sort of looks at them and says, dude, you're clearly Starfleet. Your hands are soft and clean. You, you don't belong down here with the miners. Uh, they, I, this is where I got a little lost, Jaime, and maybe you can help me with this part. So they are trying to figure out what is sort of hiding under this, this uh, tarp, and it turns out to be the Packled snacks. Yeah, I wasn't clear if that was a ruse from the Peklids who had suspected that somebody might be looking into this stuff, or just a weird coincidence that the Peklids packed all their stuff in this bizarro way that looks like a person, and, yeah. and it ended up being like their snacks, and it reveals that they're, you know, blown their cover. Yeah, so they basically reveal themselves, and in the end, they don't find out this great mystery that they thought they were going to find out. We uh, we go back over to the collector ship. You know, Mariner and Jed are still going toe to toe. I'm in charge. No, I'm in charge. They're back and forth. Uh, you know, Jet takes a takes a couple of shots. He takes a shot at Ransom. He takes a shot at Stevens for being a suck up. And you know, the two of them are just going back and forth and trying disagreeing on who should be in charge of this mission. And 
and they both realize that it's, it's just not working out. Both of them are making bad decisions, and both of them are making mistakes because they both want to be in charge. So they turn to Tendi and Rutherford and sort of say, well, what would you guys do? And in about 15 seconds, when they put their heads together, Rutherford and, and Tendi figure out, oh, you know, actually these bones are on the floor. They belong to Ex- Ex- Excalbians. Uh, if we rub them together, they're acidic. We can actually use these to cut a hole in the wall, and we can get the heck out of here. And, and Jet and Mariner are basically rendered useless in, in you know, 15 seconds flat. Uh, back over to the the planet, the mining planet. The Packlets have uh, have chased the, the Titan crew down into the mines. Uh, the they've, the uh, Titan crew has barricaded themselves in, but the Packlets are, are using a saw as a battering ram to try and get the They're door down. The saw at the door. <laughs> They're banging the door with the saw as opposed to turning the saw on, which I love. Uh, and, and, you know, basically all the crew look at each other and they're like, okay, let's it's time. It's time to go out in a blaze of glory. And, and Boimler finally says, you know what? I've, I've just had it. He's like, I joined Starfleet to explore and I don't want to get in phaser fights. I This is not what I'm invested in Starfleet for. I'm, I'm not a warrior. I'm, a, I'm an explorer. And all of a sudden the rest of the crew sort of says, yeah, yeah, I, I, I joined up because I wanted to study moss. Oh, <laughs> I, I wanted to get home because I like beaming. Yeah. And, you know, it's in that moment where they sort of t- start talking about you know the you know the adventures that that other uh, uh, crews have gone through, and that brings up Thomas Riker, the the infamous episode of TNG where uh, William Riker had to figure out a way to get himself off the planet, ended up accidentally duplicating himself. They go back years later, they find this exact duplicate that has left on the planet, yeah. left on the planet, and and of course Thomas Riker uh, has you know become this infamous you know exact duplicate. So they figure out, oh, distortion field, yeah, we can work with this. So Boimler has a plan. We cut back to the ship and uh, the collector ship. We've got, uh, of course, the plan in action from Rutherford and Tendi. They melt the hole in the wall. They cut it off. They go to the escape pods, and <laughs> they're launching themselves out. At that point, Freeman is, is sort of saying, you know, no, no, it's going to be fine. And then she see, what the heck's going on? There's an escape pod coming towards us. They hail them. You know, what the heck are you guys doing? Why is the escape pod going off? Oh, they, we had a bit of a problem. And, <laughs> and of course, they slip into their Temerian. Keyshawn, when he became a puppet. <laughs> uh, Boimler saves the day with the uh, the away team. He beams the team out, but he is still trapped. They are trying to beam him out. They end up, finally, they lock on a second tractor beam and they beam him out. All of and about two minutes later, you see this, you know, uh, the shuttlecraft. Shuttle, yeah. yeah, the shuttlecraft is coming up at them, and sure enough, there's a second Boimler. So we've got, just like the Riker incident, he's accidentally basically duplicated himself, and now we've got two Boimlers. Uh, we cut over to the, to the, uh, the Captain ready room and he's in there this is of course uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes voicing William Riker and he says you know oh boy I can tell you a thing or two about you know being a duplicate and he says you know here's the thing guys you know realistically I can't you know have two Boimlers aboard the ship I'm going to have to get rid of one of you one of you is going to have to go back to the Cerritos the two of them look at each other the two uh, Boimlers look at each other and nod the one steps forward and basically the other one steps back and, and tricks the other one into going back to the Cerritos and a demotion back to Ensign. Right. And so basically we end up with a Boimler going back to the Cerritos so we could have those adventures, but Boimler also gets to stay aboard the... And it's, and it's the clone that stays. It's the clone that stays, and he yeah. decides he wants to rename himself William Boimler, <laughs> which is hilarious. And uh, as he's as the uh, the Cerritos-bound Boimler is walking out the door, he hears Riker say, Computer, play Nightbird, which is again a nice little... Well, uh, it's, there's a point there in the, in the episode, I forget where it was, but that's the end of some command that Riker gives. He yells, cut. Cut, yeah. <laughs> the director, yeah. Um, we go back to the sick bay aboard the Cerritos, and uh, we're, you know, of course, we're at this point trying to resolve what, what's going to happen uh, to poor Kayshawn, and the doctor says, you know, this isn't my first time turning a doll back into a person, <laughs> and they've got him on this, this, you know, sick bay bed with a huge sign next to him that says, I am not a doll, do not play with me. And, and so uh, he comes 
moves along and plays with them. It's, yeah, meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, somebody said they're playing with them. Uh, back down to the uh, the commissary, and you know, we cut in on Jet, and Jet has what looks like another pip on his collar, hmm. and they're like, I can't believe you got another pip on your collar after all that, and he flicks it away and says, No, sorry, that was corn. I like to celebrate by having street corn after uh, yeah. after a rough mission. Uh, Boimler, of course, uh, returns, and he is, you know, everyone's excited to well, see just him. just they're resolving that, you know, Jet's oh, going to be the fourth. That's right. Fourth that's wheel right. Now. Yeah. yeah. So he's 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 officially been adopted by the group, and just as they do that, Boimler shows up, and they're you know basically just like, oh, this is so great, you're finally here. They said, so what happened? He said, well, you know, it was a transporter accident, I accidentally created a clone of myself, and Rutherford says, oh yeah, you you lost the bet, Tendi, and he has yeah. to pay up because they actually bet that was what was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Jet, you know, sort of says, oh, well, well you know, uh, yeah, if you guys want to catch up, I'll just I'll just step aside, and they're basically like, yeah, yeah, there's the door, how'd you go? Uh, they have him sit down, and then they all start sort of chanting shots, shots, shots. They're really excited. The whole gang's back together, but of course, they're not going to let him off that easy. They start giving him the gears a little bit about leaving. He's got to be the one to go get the drinks, and they're they're yeah. gonna they're gonna give him a rough time. We uh, close the episode with Kayshawn sitting at the bar, restored from being a puppet, and he's hitting on one of his fellow uh, fellow officers, and he says, "Are you tired? Because you've been Arnok at the races of the Tara through my mind all night." And she sort of rolls her eyes at him and walks away, and he goes, "Well, Shaka when the walls fell." <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's where we leave it. Cool. Switching back to the to the episode that we we're trying to figure out the, where the box was. Mm. That was the um, ambassador of Kolos, who uh, is a Medusan, and if you stare at him, you go insane. Right. So yes. He has a blind assistant played by everybody's favorite doctor, Diana Mulder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was in, who's? I think she's one of the few people who's been in both uh, series, mm-hmm. the original series, because she had two roles in the in original series and then one role as the doctor fill-in in the uh, was was Wesley Crusher in that show when she was the doctor? Yeah, he still was. Wow. Yeah. So. Was it a, like a, um, a salary dispute or something like that with Gates McFadden? I can't recall the circumstances. I remember reading about it not long ago, and I cannot remember how it all played well, out. There was some contract issue or whatever, right? Yeah, I can't remember if it was a contract or she had, she a, complained she had, a, and she had a personality dispute, I think, with yeah, somebody. Yeah, and wrote her out, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the fans said, get her back. Well, after one season of Diana Maldora, they were yeah. they were done. Because <laughs> she was mean to Data. Right. Or, well, she called him Data. Mm. One is my name, the other is not. <laughs> Jaime, what'd you make of this one? I like this one. Um, I was a little surprised that they brought Boimler back um, this soon, although I guess they sort of didn't at the same time, right? It kind of depends on which which copy you think is the true one, similar to, to Will and Thomas Riker. like Morty now. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really neat to see what the Titan gets up to. Uh, it seemed like mm-hmm. it'd be really True. cool to have an animated series with just their nutty adventures. Yeah. Uh, so over the top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was interesting how they were, you know, as you pointed out in the recap, they were making fun of the D. I was like, oh, it was so easy. The boy was like, what do you mean? Like, yes, okay, okay. they had nice things. They had string quartets and, you know, daycares. But, like, they also blew stuff up and they, like, reset the galaxy and did all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty funny one. Again, I, so far, really haven't been any bad episodes. It continues, again, Timbala Test was... This is the first time I think we've watched this together, but, you know, we, we were both laughing, and there was, you know, there's a lot of just stuff in there. But, yeah, again, cram-packed with Easter eggs. A lot of fun for a Trek fan on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's even a little bit of uh, a, like, oh, what was it like over there kind of thing. It's like, well, every everything was, like, very dramatic and with these, you know, mind-bending twists that made you question your grip on reality. <laughs> it's, like, it's definitely a, a, kind of an interesting nod is what I'm going to decide here, a nod towards um, the contrast, you know, with, like, Discovery or Picard's very heavily serialized style versus this Lower Deck show being more serialized than say TNG but definitely more in the TNG Deep Space Nine kind of feel of largely self-contained episodes with some overarching story arcs yeah yeah yep no, and again, it's it is. You're right, Jaime. It's it's kind of hard to say. Was that enough time for Boimler to be away? Was it too much time? You know, I think I was actually kind of all 
almost a little surprised they didn't bring him out in the first episode because he do you think that would be the easiest path so i think two episodes away from having the whole gang together i mean it's it's definitely more fun to have you know mariner and, and boimler and the chemistry being foils for each other and you know the the rebel versus this you know by the book stuff you know i think that that was obviously one of the most fun parts of this, the first season is her sort of taking him under her wing it's nice to have the, the gang back together yeah and it's kind of funny, like, how they did, they ended up resolving it, but, because they had to have some way to get him back. Yeah. That made sense, and then didn't make him look like a complete boob. Yeah. Although, he's a complete boob. He's a complete boob, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wondered if it was something to do with um, uh, Quaid's uh, contracts with other, other roles he's playing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is Jack Quaid working on The Boys, and he was he didn't have enough time for a full episode, although he didn't have a lot of lines in the first show, no, the season, three, yeah. but this one, he was pretty present, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You know, I wonder though. I wonder if he's like hiding out in his trailer, and they've you know put some sound sound uh, elements around his trailer for the boys, so he can record his lines while he's still in Toronto mm-hmm. recording, uh, making episodes of the boys. Most for Riker is too. That's true. That's true. He's working on Discovery episodes. Yeah, Jonathan Riggs, that is. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do we want to talk about uh, what if? Yeah, I thought that was good. Do yeah. Jaime, did you watch what if this week? I did with uh, Star Panther. I'm gonna call him. <laughs> Star Panther. Yeah, because because the other one sounds a little weird. Black Lord, if you went that way. Black Lord yeah, no, Black probably Lord, no. might that be offensive. Like right. porno film. <laughs> it's gonna say sounds like a black exploitation film yeah. from the seventies. Yeah, Black yeah. Lord. It's definitely the kind of thing that be with um, Foxy Brown or uh, or uh, yeah. Shaft or something. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this this episode of What If. So the basic premise is that that T'Challa, the the character who would go on to become the Black Panther as a child, and he's the, king the one. Of Wakanda. Uh, yes, and the king of Wakanda. He's as a child instead of uh, Peter Quill being taken by the the Ravagers and taken into space, and of course everything as the Guardians of the Galaxy has uh, played out has played out. It's T'Challa is the one who's picked up by the Ravagers, and not only does it change his future, but it changes the pa- uh, changes the path for the Ravagers. He basically becomes this much revered Robin Hood figure throughout the galaxy, and has been so effective in in sort of conveying this message of positivity and goodwill across the universe that he's talked not only the Ravagers into being good guys, but he's talked Thanos off the yeah. off the path yeah. that he was on, and Nebula is on his side, and uh, yeah, and they go on this this sort of, you know, adventure where they're going to do this great big heist, they're going to steal something from the Collector, so we of course go back to nowhere from the Guardians of the Galaxy, so it, it does sort of merge those the elements of those two movies, so if you've watched just, even if you just watched Guardians and Black Panther, you're, you're, you're pretty much covered, and uh, yeah, and, and man, they, they they spared no expense. They got you know all the actors back to to do this. We, you know, of course, uh, the the hugest one was the revelation. And I don't think we knew this going in that uh, until this week that Chadwick Boseman, before mm-hmm. he passed away, right. uh, uh, very very tragically of cancer uh, last year, had recorded this. And so we get the last performance of of uh, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. And on top of that, was just you know every single actor. It's Josh Brolin as Thanos. It's mm-hmm. Jiman Hsu as as uh, Korath, Benicio del Toro's. Yes, Benicio del Toro. You got Karen Gillan as Nebula. It's you know it's again they're they're not sparing any expense on this stuff. Yeah. That's really cool. And uh, and beyond that, of course, they do this heist. They go. They're trying to steal this this MacGuffin, the embers of of Genesis. They're going to use these things to help the galaxy about make a better place. Uh, you know, it turns into this. You know. Uh, Sort of heist movie kind of deal, and uh, and you know midway through there we get a really nice Howard the Duck uh, yeah. appearance, yeah. which uh, as as anyone who's listened to this knows, I'm a huge Howard the Duck fan. We even get a little uh, really fun one in there with uh, at one point the collector is is having a fight with. T'Challa or Star-Lord and he says you know I've, he's got this gigantic rock fist on and he says I, I got you know, it's a pretty good weapon eh? I got this off a particularly chatty uh, Cronin which to me said Korg from Thor Ragnarok mm. um, and of course he pulls out at one point he's he's sort of pulling things out of his collection and he pulls out Hela's hat from yep. Thor Ragnarok and slaps it on his head and, and has the blades that he can throw uh, you know in the end obviously it all works out they you know they go back to Wakanda they you know everyone's a happy family it's all sort of has this really thrown into one of the cubes and then released with all the people coming that's right the collector gets his comeuppance 
uh, it says, you know, Karma is a bitch and her name is Karina, who's the, the woman who sort of betrays him in, in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, again, it, I don't think it could have ended in a more sort of... Uh, beautiful bow for our last time we're going to get Chadwick Boseman mm. as T'Challa, where, you know, he's part of this family, he's done good things. It was a, I will say it was a little saccharine, it was a little little sweetie, a little Disney. Uh, it didn't, there wasn't really a twist in there, other than, like, you know, a few little cameos and, and, you know, just the fun twists, you know, Thanos being on the good side of the good and Howard the Duck showing up. There's some fun twists, but it was a little bit on the nose. Right. What'd you guys think? I mean, I think for me, um, I, I was fairly surprised that in this timeline, if T'Challa was the one who became Star Lord, Thanos's plan apparently never comes to fruition. Even though he clearly still right. thinks it's a good idea, right? He <laughs> yeah. talks about yeah. it casually, but he's like a normal bro now. Um, and there's yeah. ramifications well, and like all criticizing him for his his idea of. It sounds like genocide to me. Yeah, yeah, this is one of those crazy ones. Like the the fan theory of like I don't know which Muppets movie it is, but there's like a it's a one wonderful life kind of moment where Kermit the Frog gets to see what it was like if uh, he never was born. And in that timeline, it's very clear that 9-11 does not happen if Kermit the Frog was not born, which is a, a really dark and unintentional twist from, you know, from the from the, the movie makers. And, and this one feels kind of like that, of like, okay, yeah, um, you know, Drax isn't, uh, you know, looking for revenge because Thanos never killed his family. Uh, so he's just like a bartender and stuff. Um, the 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 collector went from being like just a dude who collects stuff into he's like a kingpin kind of person so yeah interesting yeah and uh, and we of course we end the episode with uh you know peter quill is is pushing a mop at the dairy queen back in missouri yeah. and uh kurt russell shows up yeah and, and his dad kurt russell is as ego shows up so we we're supposed to in, infer from that that you know some things still sort of take place i will point out that was the one star that it looks like they did not get back. Although two, I suppose. Drax was not. Um, uh, oh gosh, what's the Batista? I can't recall. Batista, that's right. Dave Batista. He was uh, he was played by Fred Tascaciore. Tascaciore, mm. uh, and. The Peter Quill for the one line he had was played by Brian Delaney, Brian T. Delaney. Hmm. Uh, so those were the only two voices that seemed like they were not the original stars. But otherwise, we were pretty much across the board. And for what it's worth, Seth Green was the voice of Howard the Duck. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, personally, I'm pulling for the Howard the Duck. I, I just cannot tell you how much I want a Howard the Duck Disney Plus show, movie. Yeah, I, I doubt they'd give him a movie. Animated series, I'll take any of it. I love Howard the Duck, so yep. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I still don't know what to make of this series. Again, we're two episodes in. You know, we got these ominous intros by Jeffrey Wright as, as the Watcher trying to sort of set up like, well, this is, you know, what if this one thing was different? There's, there, you know, it just appears to be a straight anthology. You know, they did say going in that this is canon and obviously the idea of this is that it spins out of what happened at the end of Loki which spoilers 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 uh, we see the multiverse sort of manifest itself and fracture all over the place as uh, as um, the actions in Loki sort of create this divergent multiverse but they don't reference it at all in here so really it's on you to have watched that and extrapolate that they haven't really actually made a connection I wonder if this as the series progresses they say they're doing nine episodes I wonder if we're going to see more threads weave this together with that but so far it's just playing as a straight what if this happens instead of that and I'm not sure it's as satisfying without that connection. Yeah, it'll it'll be kind of interesting to see how this fits into kind of the overall scheme. Um, like, I can kind of see how they get to have some fun if they want with the, you know, Multiverse of Madness or, like, Next Avengers movie or something where you can see how some of these what-if scenarios give you an opportunity to say, oh, okay, well... We, we know that uh, Thor will have some interesting opinions of seeing Loki back, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's not in this series here, but, like, we'd be like, wait, so you're not dead. It's like, well, I never die. It's like, what do you mean you never die? Well, I'm not your Loki. I'm a different Loki. Like, it gets really weird, right? And it's like, all right, whatever. You're my brother. Let's go, you know, let's go do stuff. And then you can do yeah. other things. Like, I'm not saying they will do this, but they could have, you know, cool bro Thanos show up. <laughs> and everybody would be like, what? <laughs> Why is that dude on our side? You know? Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities, obviously, of a, of a series like this where, you know, it that's that's the fun. It, that, and that's why it was created in the first place. It's, you know, well, what if, you know, Spider-Man was part of the Fantastic Four? What if, you know, the X-Men had died on this mission? You know, all these different sort of what-ifs. That's the fun of it. I, I wonder how much, obviously, it's based around the MCU. It's, it's based around the movies. It's based around what we've seen so far in the TV shows. So you kind of have to have that foundation. But I, I wonder how far they take it. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, they've teased us. We know we're getting Marvel zombies. We know a few of the episodes loosely, but they have kept it kind of close to the vest, sort of where it's going to go over the nine episodes. So I, I'm really curious to see how this one plays out. I am enjoying it. I, again, it's it's fun to be back in the sandbox. And again, just just hearing Chadwick's voice again was nice. <laughs> it really was. I mean, God, like talk about taking too soon, man. He was a great actor, and just even hearing his voice again in that role was a real was a real thrill. And and you know, I'm glad that if this is sort of the last take of of his on this character, I'm glad that it was a good one. Yep, cool. Alright, we'll move on to our watch list. Um, they're going to steal Jaime's Thunder and say, I've already seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was very confused on my choice here as to when it actually came out. So, my watch <laughs> list is A Quiet Place Part 2, because we got around to seeing this because it's streaming on Paramount Plus here in the US of A, and oh, uh, yeah. therefore, it's effectively free because I'm paying for lower decks at the moment, right? Right. So, right. I said, wait a minute, I, I thought this movie came out, like, last year, and it... it was it on Crave for us? No, it was uh, Amazon Prime had the exclusive oh, here in Prime, Canada, yeah. 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 yeah, so this this was a weird one when I was like, you know, pandemic throwing all concepts of time out the window. I said, didn't this come out last year? And and it sort of did. It did have some sort of premiere date in had, New York. It was in the theaters for a bit. Yeah. yeah. And mm. then it came back out again, <laughs> like for actual distributed broad release in like April or May of this year. So uh, not that, yeah. not that old really, but it felt like one of those movies that like, I thought this had come out a long time ago sort of thing. Why is Paramount well, no, Plus it, promoting I think it? It came out, came out at the beginning of the year. This is the second film by John Krasinski directing um, Emily Blunt mm-hmm. and uh, and the, the, I wish I could remember the girl's name the amazing deaf actress that's in it um, have you seen it? I have not Spoilers. you may spoil it please no, I, I, I have... um, no it's it's worth seeing it's probably one of the better better horror movies you've seen in a long while okay right. yeah it's it's um, it's really well done if you enjoyed The Quiet Place Part 1 you'll well the first one us. the first one was really good this one this one carries on from you can probably stand to see it by itself yeah yeah it, it yeah. does enough to give you a, a, a recap of what happened. It's mm-hmm. uh, got a little yeah. bit of stuff that happens before their um, their event with all the uh, the monsters, and then it, the vast majority of the film takes place after the end of the and first. Who's film. the surprising guy that that plays the male lead in this one? Uh, Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, yeah, mm. yeah, from uh, Batman, right? Yeah, he's the reluctant, mm-hmm. uh, and he's also from Peaky Blinders. Blinders yeah. yeah, but he's he's the reluctant hero in this one. He doesn't mm. want to help, and then he realizes how talented the girl is and helps them out. But um, and it's like one of these, you know, dystopian every man for himself kind of things going on. And mm. but it, this one shows a bit more at the beginning. It shows how the what happens. That happens. That, that take the that causes the events of the first movie. They oh, show okay. Right at the very beginning, and it's like because John John Krasinski's in the beginning of the movie. Mm. Oh, spoilers! No, yeah, because it, yeah. it shows you know day one, and then by the time this movie really gets going, it's like day four hundred seventy five or something, right? So yeah. it's been yeah, more yeah, than yeah. a year. It's definitely one of my favorite movies. The two of them together, I think they're they're a box set for sure. Cool. And it does it, without spoiling too much, is the door open for part three, four, five? Yeah. Seven, yes. eight, nine, it, it, yeah, this, the, t- the TV series is coming soon, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, my significant other and I thought, like, you know what? It ends kind of abruptly the way that the first movie ended kind of abruptly. Yeah. And, it, and it's kind of a good thing. Like, a lot of times abrupt feels bad. This one feels like me wanting more, which is a good a good place for it to be yeah. in. Nice. It's really interesting. I've seen, I've seen a lot of videos with um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt talking about making this movie and working together because they'd never worked together before. Mm-hmm. And John Krasinski says, like, you know, she's amazing. Like, you know, she just starts, like, he's, he's, she gets, goes into the role, she plays the, she does her part, whatever, and he looks at her and goes, oh, yeah, right, cut. <laughs> <laughs> he's just blown away by her craft, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and then, like I said, the, the, we'll have to remember the name of the girl for the next... Uh, fact check. Fact check, yeah. We'll do the fact check. Oh, yeah. Uh, one last thing was, um, we know that there's a live-action... What? 
TV series, I want to say, of the video game The Last of Us coming yes. out. And oh, HBO. Yeah. And HBO, okay, thank See? you. Um, I think when I watch these films, I'm like, wow, the people who are making those should really pay attention to these because it's got some eerie similarities of you know creatures that are you know got to be quiet around them and and humanity around you is oftentimes oh, the, see, right. the, the bigger threat than the monsters yeah it's a pretty pretty common trope i think hmm. yeah people are people suck people suck i think it's the bottom line on that one they're worse than the monsters. yeah uh my watch list thing for this week is something i think jaime you mentioned before but uh we got a better look at this week is uh star wars visions which is the uh japanese anime sort of version of the star wars uh universe and the trailer that dropped uh we finally got a date so we know it's coming on september 22nd and it's coming to disney plus the trailer we got is very unusual. I don't know if you both had a chance to see that this week, but it's, uh, I guess what I was thinking it would be would be sort of different uh, anime artistry styles and, and sort of takes on the characters or scenes or sort of expansions, but it seems like it's, uh, like, really, like, from the ground up rebuilding some of the Star Wars mythos within the anime milieu. It's it's, mm. it's really interesting. Like, it, it really, it looks like they're sort of saying, you know, hey, instead of just, here's an anime version of A New Hope or here's an anime version of, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back, it's much more, you know, examining the larger themes of these stories and then taking them from there and running with them and doing different art styles. Clearly, George Lucas is not involved. Uh, well, I mean, it's <laughs> it's funny because obviously he was he was pretty heavily influenced in his creation of the original stories by movies like you yeah. know uh, the Kurosawa movies, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, there's there's clearly and the uh, Joseph Campbell myth or yeah. yeah, but I mean, particularly those Japanese the Kurosawa movies that he you know obviously he took some they're also based on Joseph Campbell some pretty big yeah. lifts out of. So yeah, it's it's interesting to sort of see it all come around full circle but it's a cool trailer the visuals are really really interesting i'm i must admit i've gotten really rusty i know anime is really your wheelhouse jaime so i'm I'm definitely very curious to see what you have to say i'm not sure the style of this is it going to be episode by episode anthology is it going to be sort of you know individual tales i'm it's a little unclear but i'm i'm definitely intrigued jaime what do you what do you make of this one yeah um i i went into this assuming that it's going to be um like the animatrix yeah which is you know a series of um you know individual stories Uh, i think the animatrix ones might have all been related to the same mythos whereas this one i'm less clear that it will be and maybe it could be just you know almost like a what if sort of series right uh individual stories i will say that uh they'll definitely have to market that part of it correctly because my significant other watched the trailer with me and she said i don't understand this movie and i said what do you mean and she's like yeah like the art styles are all different it doesn't look like the characters are related I said, oh no no it's not one movie it's just like yeah. multiple episodes and so that might end up confusing people she was like yeah. it's like you know film noir style and then it goes to like a more modern anime style that's kind of bright and then it goes to like uh gosh some older school looking stuff um mm-hmm. so it, it'll be interesting to see what they uh what they end up doing the one of the last scenes with um the like six lightsabers that turn into like whips yeah. the art style looks like um uh, kill the kill which was an insane series that i think they've probably taken the let's go with you know different eras of of art styles and see how those might apply to the star wars universe mm. i think that's what's going on here i'm not 100 percent clear but it does look cool yeah i mean we're, we're in heading towards a bit of a lull it doesn't look like there's really much on the star wars front for a little while anyways because we don't have a time for the next disney plus series bad batch ended last week so this is sort of the next star wars thing that's going to happen for us uh, i wonder if it'll resonate the same way i wonder if this is niche or i wonder if this is something that people will just be like wow cool yeah i mean i i figure it gives them something nice to try out because they've got you know space to to fill for disney plus um it probably gives them a little bit of an opportunity to you know add new cool merchandise right i'm sure at the theme oh, parks sure. they'll be like oh remember, remember the anime girl with six lightsaber whips you can buy that one too right so um it, it's all good for disney i think 
Yeah, I mean, some of the sort of the overlap between the sort of the Jedi and Sith with the with the samurai and, and that, you know, again, it seems like a natural fit. It'll be really some really cool visuals and some really cool designs, I'm sure. Cool. Well, my pick is going to be Free Guy again this week, which is playing tomorrow at the Atlantic Cinemas at 7 <laughs> or 9 or on Saturday at 2. Okay. So, so I guess tomorrow's the day, right? Uh, yeah, we might have to make it tomorrow night because yeah. uh, the vacation's coming to an end soon yeah, for me. Out of time. Yep. We're out of time. Yeah. Sadly, the the, the next episode, uh, Tim will be, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll all be back in our regular spaces. No more farm life. Yep. Alrighty, folks, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. And hi, if people want to find you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. We'll see you in the future or the past, oh, if we happen to be on the you. farm. See you in the future, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. your microphone back to the setting we did before I turned it off. That that would be good. I'd appreciate that. Stereo, no. Car door is what we want. Yeah, bi-directional is what the setting we have it on now. Okay. Yeah. So number two, detente position. Two. Two from the Weave. left. Yes, sir. All right, Jaime. All right, y'all. Apologies that the it's so late for you all, but uh, thanks for, well, for power through. The killing me. Like, I'm, I usually can stay up a couple more hours past this, like in polluted areas, but this air just does you in. It is uh, beautiful, clear air, but the humidity is about 2,000% right here. It's 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 warm. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually about the same as Toronto. The humidity? Yeah. You know, uh, I find it, especially after being, we were in, in Halifax this week, I made my wife and I went for a couple of days uh, down to the Atlantic coast. Yeah. yeah, the next province over uh, to down to the Atlantic coast, and it was definitely cooler and very nice down there. So we came back in here up up into the mainland in New, uh, New Brunswick, and it's, whew, it's, it's warm. It was almost 40 degrees uh, Celsius today here. Wow. That's with the humidity. It's It feels like you're walking through soup. Yep. All right. All right, sir. Stay cool. cool. Sleep Thanks well. Thanks for your patience, Jaime. Yeah, yeah no, no worries. I didn't realize you guys were out there in the in the hinterlands without much uh, interweb. Yeah, we're struggling. Yep. We're, we're making do. Again, we'll, we'll have to console ourselves with a large stockpile of beer and fresh food. We're actually using our cell phones for internet right now. Yep. Yeah. Well, record this show. All right, sir. All right. Guys, take care, Jaime. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. 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 For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.